This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Please visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to contact me for any reason, then please click on that contact icon on the website. You can listen to the show by going to our website and click on the archives link at the top of the page. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes, where you can download all episodes to date. Please leave a comment on iTunes and rate five stars if you enjoy the show and to show your support. That would be greatly appreciated. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash Australian Hunting Podcast. You can also follow our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash AH Podcast. And also, if you enjoy watching videos, then please subscribe to our channel at youtube.com forward slash Aussie Feral Control. Alternatively, you can find all the social media links on the website. If you want to be part of the Australian Hunting Podcast, then please leave us a voicemail by clicking on the voicemail icon on the right-hand side of the website. This gives you an opportunity to be part of the show, and we will play your voicemail message on our next Straight Shooting Podcast. Donations are always graciously accepted, and you can click on the Donate button on the website. I appreciate all people who listen and donate to the show. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people into hunting, shooting and fishing as you possibly can. My name is Jason Selms and without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Shauna, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me as part of the Everyday Hunter series. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jason. I'm really looking forward to it. No worries. First off, I just want to find out about uh, yourself, uh, I guess, whether you hunt, shoot, fish, and uh, and how you got into it. Yeah, listen, I um, hunt and shoot, and I also love fishing as well. I live in Tasmania, so trout fishing is fantastic in Tassie. Um, And I'm an artist and goldsmith, and I live in the suburbs of Hobart. So I've only got a small block in Hobart. But I love the outdoors and I love to cook and I love to drink wine and um, I find (laughs) that with hunting (laughs) you can go out and get some great produce and I can cook that up, which I love doing. So, um, yeah, mostly hunt rabbits. My husband and I hunt rabbits with ferrets. Nice. But we also go out and shoot with 22 um, as well for rabbits. Um, yeah. What about, uh, was your, uh, and you were telling me, because I would like to get at this story if you don't mind, like how did you get into shooting? How did you decide one day, well, you know, I- I'm going to get into shooting? Was it a you know, family friend? Did you get into it? You know, your parents were hunters or shooters, not at all? Or? Well, listen, no, not at all. Um, I grew up on a property, but um, my father was not a shooter at all. In fact, he was a little bit anti-guns. And um, because of that, my sentiment was the same. So I was actually a bit of an environmentalist and didn't really believe in guns whatsoever. So it was funny that um, later on in life, I've actually come to that. 
So I suppose you, I've got something called adult onset hunting, which is a to- <laughs> term coined by um, Trovar Sorelli. And he was a vegan who actually turned into a hunter. And um, I was very similar to that. I was a vegetarian for a number of years. And um, I was really concerned about where my food was coming from. And because of that, um, well, I actually started to miss meat, to be honest. I, you know, miss a good <laughs> steak. And yep. so um, from there, I... Um, started thinking about food and food, where it was coming from and uh, started actually, well, I suppose, growing uh, our own chickens and um, sort of processing our own chickens. But we had a very, very small block and because we have a small block, we couldn't really keep the chickens. So a good alternative to that was actually to start going out and harvesting rabbit and harvesting wallaby in Tasmania and also my favourite, venison. Really, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely, um, Tell us, I want to find out too, um, it's very interesting because some people, uh, you know, get into shooting for many different reasons, but you know, you said you got into, you went into it from environmental, but why did you become a vegan? I've never sort of spoken to any really vegans before, like on the show. So how did you come to, you know, that sentiment of, of, of wanting to be a vegan and then going back to meat and then you know, struggling with, I guess, you know, f- firearms and is it? It just it really blows my mind, so I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, listen, well, I was never vegan, um, but uh, I could never give up my dairy. Love my dairy way too much, but I decided to become <laughs> a vegetarian because I was concerned about um, the manufacturing of, of meat, I suppose, and where it was all coming from. And so my alternative to that was to think, well, I don't want to be a part of that process, so I withdrew from it completely. But honestly, I mean, I, I was a vegetarian for three years and I, like I said, I really suffered. I'd go to barbecues and I'd look at people eating steak and I'd just have steak envy. Um, so I started to think to myself, maybe there's better meat sources. Um, so I looked at wallaby as a, as a source because it was environmentally friendly. You know, they don't produce that much methane. They're suitable for the Australian um, climate and that's the same with kangaroo as well. So I started introducing that into my diet slowly. And then I just thought to myself, well, you know, I'd like to be responsible. I'd like to, I suppose, woman up and be responsible for the animals that some um, I eat. And yep. what ba- better way of doing that than going into the bush and actually going and getting your own meat? Yeah, okay. So um, yeah, how did you, so it was purely because the animals, uh, the treatment of the animals, because I know some people do it for different reasons. They don't like the taste, some people, which I understand as well. Some people don't like the treatment. What was your main uh, interest there? I would actually say it was mostly um, like mass production of animals that I was concerned about, but I was also concerned about the environmental reasons as well. I mean, there is a lot of information out there that pushes that, you know, beef is particularly bad for the environment and... Um, and I was concerned. I was thinking that what I was eating was having an impact on the environment. But not only that, the treatment of animals, um, yeah, especially the mass production of animals in small confined spaces, yeah, yeah. like south um, stalls for pigs and small cages for chickens. And I just thought, oh, that's not, not the way that you should treat animals. Yeah. How did you how did you come from uh, one day going, well, this is how I feel to getting into getting into shooting? How did you one day? It's very interesting how some people have done it. and I have heard stories. But how did you come from from this part of life to, you know, especially when you said your father, not have been anti-gun, but, you know, you grew up like that. And then to go into shooting, how did that come about? Yeah, listen, it was a very gradual process. It didn't just happen straight away, like, oh, I've just changed my mind, woke up one day. Like I said, we started processing (laughs) our own chickens, and um, that was, was, I mean, it was good to grow chickens, and actually, you know, it was quite a bit of an effort to, to put into the chickens. 
But of course, I mean, you can only grow so many to feed yourself as well. So from there, we looked at, um, my husband and I looked at shooting. And we'd previously played a lot of soccer together. He was my soccer coach. And we spent too many weekends in the emergency department, um, sort of with broken bones. I broke my wrist. He broke a couple of ribs and a finger. <laughs> so we decided to take up shooting as a sport. And we also noticed that there was a large population of rabbits around. And my husband comes from England and was particularly fond of rabbits. I'd never really eaten one before, so I wasn't too keen on them myself. But yeah. then, um, yeah, we, we bought a couple from the butcher and I thought they were great, really lean meat, great protein source. So from there, we went to our local club and we sort of sussed it out. And I can tell you, I was pretty nervous when I went to the club. I mean, there was quite a few guys there and, and I always assumed it was a fairly blokey kind of sport. And so I was a little bit intimidated. But as, as we kept going, I just found it was an incredibly supportive environment. And there's lots of women shooters now, which is excellent. So, yeah, it was just bit by bit. The funny thing is, as we went out, I got my license, went through the whole process. We started practicing as well. And then we thought, right, well, we've got the guns. Now let's go and get some, some meat. And, of course, most of the rabbits live in suburbia and you can't shoot in suburbia. <laughs> so True. we ended up getting some ferrets and started to try the old technique of ferreting, which my husband and I love to do. Yeah. Uh, tell us some of the the pros and cons. Do you think you know of being you know a person that hunts and shoots? I mean, you just said you know the way they treated the animals before. A lot of people you know don't like hunting uh, for you know for, for for a multitude of reasons. Do you find you know that organic meat, even like a wild rabbit, is is uh, different from your perspective to say that farmed chicken that comes in a cage or that farmed a uh, beef, for etc. What's your what's your how do you feel about that? Oh, well, listen, I love game meat, and so does my husband. It's mm. a lot leaner. It does have a certain flavor, and let's be honest, I mean, it's got flavor. Most of the meat that you get from the supermarket doesn't have flavor, and I love the flavor of, um, like I said, venison, absolutely love it. Love the flavors that you get in rabbit as well. A little bit different from farm rabbit. Farm rabbits are a little bit meatier and have a more subtle taste, but... Again, I mean, we've, we've been doing this for quite a few years now and you get to understand that maybe the big bucks, the big rabbits, or the older males aren't very nice tasting so we don't usually keep hold of those or if not we make a stew out of them. Um, but the leanness of the females are beautiful, yeah, really mm. good tasting. So, Yeah, being you know a woman that's now hunting, shooting, you said when you first went to the range it was quite daunting. What do you think some of the pros are of being a woman that sort of hunts, shoots and fishes and gets out into the great outdoors? Oh, I love getting out into the great outdoors. It's very, and also the gun community is a fantastic community, and that's what I've I've found. Um, everyone at the club that we go to has been incredibly supportive. They they hand down lots of um, knowledge. They spend time with you to help you perfect your skills. They're incredibly knowledgeable as well, and so generous with their time. And a lot of these people have actually helped us get onto properties as well, and so we've shot with a lot of these, um, yeah, with a lot of the hunting community. So I think the pros of being a, a hunter and shooter means you get lots of meat, which is great. Our freezers are full of meat. We've got everything that you can imagine. Um, uh, yeah, and um, 
Did you think it was different though? Like you know, from when you before you got it, before you went to the range, you, know, you obviously had this perception surrounding what you thought it was going to be. Was it totally in stark different than what when you actually got to the range? Went well, these people aren't too bad, or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And listen, I think the media drives that. I think you know, there's a fear that happens with mass media, and because of that, I think it, you know, most people do have a genuine fear of guns because they don't quite understand them, and that's what that's what my problem was. Is I didn't didn't really know or understand them. And um, going to the range definitely um, showed me that it isn't as intimidating as you'd think. And, you know, as long as you're, you're respectful of, of rifles and you're respectful of guns, it's perfectly safe. Yeah, and what about, you know, because I know there's been some challenges for women integrating with, you know, with other men in the shooting community. How did you find that in, um, in, in you know, integrating with other men? I would say it was a, it's a fairly male-dominated sport. How do you feel about that? Oh, listen, I have to say all the men in the club have been incredibly supportive and I, I have not once witnessed any sort of sexism that's gone on, not once. Um, in fact, I think females are very much supported in the shooting community. And so even when hunting, I've been out in the bush and I've never ever come across anyone who said anything about me being a female shooter or having any stabs at me for that. So really, I find the shooting community to be incredibly supportive and very supportive of female shooters. Mm. What do you think some of the cons are of being a female sh- hunter, shooter or fisherman? Do you think there's any? Yeah, listen, there is, I think, quite a few. I think there's a bit of cultural vilification going on of hunters and shooters. Um, and again, that's driven through the media. Um, and it's really sad to see a lot of shooters and hunters vilified and, um, and, and put into categories and generalised as well, which I find is, you know, a bit, bit hard. When people find out I'm a, a gun owner, they're a little bit taken aback. Or when people find out I hunt as well, they always make the assumption that I just like going out and killing animals. And, and to me, that's just such a ridiculous statement um, for someone to turn around and go, oh, well, you, just, you just like killing, don't you? And it's like, well, no, I like to know where my food source comes from. And I like to take responsibility for, mm. for, for my meat. Mm. There's a huge divide there, I think, isn't there, that people... I get grief sometimes from some people, and I I actually respect if someone was, you know, a a vegan or whatever it may be and didn't actually eat, you know, meat products or it doesn't matter what it is, and then I've got people telling me I'm a bad person because, you know, I hunt, yet they seem to eat meat and are happy to take it from these not-so-organic sources and then try and say there's there's something wrong with me. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I've come across a couple of vegetarians and they, they respect me for the fact that I can go out and get my own meat. In fact, I think they respect that more than just, you know, going to the supermarket and buying prepackaged, you know, sanitised meat. So for them, um, yeah, it, it's the case. And, I mean, you do come across some vegans who are fairly extreme. I've had, um, because I'm an artist and I surround myself with quite a few um, artists who you know, have different beliefs and quite a few of them are vegan. I've had some of them unfriend me on Facebook, which is fine. Um, <laughs> hey, the, tra- the, tra- the, tra- the trash took itself out, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but listen, that's fine. That, that's their opinion. And, and the most I can do is just try to educate people as well. So when they do sort of look at me and think, oh, well, how can you be an artist and, and also hunt? I mean, that's, you know, and a lot of people are shocked when they find out that, you know, I am an artist as well. Yeah. Um, I just I just say to them, well, you know, I educate them as best I can, and and tell them the reasons why I like to go out and hunt, and and it is, let's be honest. I mean, going out and being in the bush is as honest as it gets, you know, and getting your own meat that yeah. way. Yeah. Have you had any? I know you said you had any bad reactions. What did your dad think when you you, know, you were getting into hunting and shooting and firearms? What was his? What did he say? 
Oh, listen, he, he's not very judgmental at all. He's a pretty relaxed sort of guy. He doesn't like, like hunting himself. He does love fishing, though, so he's a very avid fisherman. So I think he was quite interested. But like me, he also loves food. He's a chef, and yep. because of that, you know, he loves getting the bounties of venison and uh, <laughs> rabbit. Do, so yeah. he, he enjoys <laughs> my bounties that, um, yeah, that we get. <laughs> so going back to the animals you enjoy hunting so rabbits you said you like venison uh, anything else you want to try in the future that you'd like to get I don't think there's any foxes in, in uh, Tasmania is no there, so. no but I did do a bit of a, a fox trip um, up to South Australia which was fantastic so um, yeah I got to call in the foxes and I have to say fox hunting is my favourite by far by far yeah so I actually called in a couple of the foxes and I sat there just at dawn in full camo and they didn't see me at all I was just part of the landscape for them and it was great to see them frolicking around and I have to say it was just one of those hunting memories that will really stay with me yep. um, and I finally got a fox it took took um, a while because some of them were quite a distance mm. and um, I was proud as punch um, skinned it and now I've got the skin which I'm really happy with Yep, awesome. I know a lot of people, especially when they go hunting, people say, oh, it's all about the food. So is it about conservation when you go and hunt foxes? Because, well, some people actually do eat fox. That's quite interesting, but most people don't. But is that how do you, uh, coming from that background before, is it more about conservation in regards to, to you know, hunting foxes? Absolutely, yeah, conservation. And, I mean, that's another thing as well, is once you actually start going out there um, and speaking to farmers, you actually get the farmer's perspective as well. And it really is horrible to hear what foxes do to young lambs and what they do to, to um, a lot of animals and, and um, native animals as well. So for me, I have no problem. I love um, pest control as well. So there's a lot of feral cats in Tasmania. We take care of quite a few feral cats, yep. um, even possums sometimes because they can be quite hard on the crops. Although some people eat possum, I haven't eaten it yet. Um, <laughs> yep. We do. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a delicacy, I suppose. Um, yep. Yeah, but we do also go out and hunt possum. Yeah. And with the price of meat, I mean, these days too, I mean, it's quite economical to go out, especially if you're in a, a fairly sort of target-rich environment where you've got lots of rabbits, whether you've got deer or goats. And, you know, I just went out just recently. We got about 15 kilos worth of goat meat. We made sausages oh, and mince and, you know, some, some, some people aren't so keen on trying it. But then I've got family and friends like, I've got none left. I did all the hard work and I've hardly got any left now. <laughs> I have to say, I love goats. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's really tasty. We, unfortunately, we don't have any feral goats in, in Tasmania, but um, I think that's another reason to do a trip up to the mainland. <laughs> yeah. Do a bit of shooting there. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and that's the good thing about shooting, is it does become a bit of an adventure as well. You know, you do actually, we're planning quite a few trips. We're going to be going to New Zealand, hopefully. You know, maybe one day we'd like to go to Alaska as well and do some hunting trips over there. So I found that hunting isn't just about meat, which is great. Um, it's also about that little adventure that you, you know, going to new places, speaking to new people that you've never met before. It's just wonderful. Absolutely. And when you went out and bought your first firearm, what's your go to, what's Shauna's go to calibers when she likes uh, to go it out hunting? What, what I'm hunting, but I reckon it's my 22. I've got a Bruno CZ 22. Love it. Um, and we do, uh, my, oh, sorry, my husband and I go to the range and we do a lot of shooting on the range which is great but I have to say my favourite is my 243 um, it's it's a great great gun yeah any particular brand you purchased or 
It's a Ruger two four three. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people speak good. Oh, sorry, T- sorry, sorry, Tiga two four three. Oh, now we're talking my game because I got a Tiga. You know, I like the Tiga. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. And I bagged my first year with the the Tika, so I was very happy with it. It's a nice lightweight gun, really good um, for hunting. Yeah. And how do you how do you enjoy the uh, venison? You like the venison? You really enjoy that too? Love it. Absolutely yeah. love venison. It's my favourite. My yeah. favourite meat by far. Beautiful. Yeah. We're just going to go to a quick break here on AHP Digital and we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Are you looking to buy your first gun safe? Perhaps you need more room for your prized collection. Lockaway Safes provides the world's most advanced anti-pry technology. The swing and slide system is truly revolutionary. Drop into your nearest Beretta dealer or visit lockawaysafes.com.au. Lockaway. The only serious choice in firearms protection. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. If you could break it down, and this is a question I ask a lot of people that participate in this show, but if what, what would you say it means to be a hunter, shooter, and fisherman in the 20th century? Um, I think it means quite a lot to quite a few different people, but what does it mean for me as a, a shooter and um, fisherwoman in the 20th century? For me, I think it's more relevant than ever, um, I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity to not... It's, it's a great... Okay, let me start again. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, I think it's wonderful for conservation. Um, I think that... Um, See, it's always a hard question. I love yeah, this it's question. A, it's because... a tricky, you know, it was funny because when... I know it's still recording, but when, when you listed it there, I sort of sat there and thought about it for quite some time and... Um, quite a few people ask me, what's, why do you go out and hunt when you can just go to the supermarket and just buy meat from the supermarket? Why do you feel like you have to actually go out and, and get it yourself in that regard? It's just, and a lot of people say to me, it's just not necessary in today's society. And I hate that sort of opinion. And my response to people that say that is, well, I prefer to be out there and get the free-range, organic as it gets me, um, and have the experience of actually going out there and taking responsibility for the animals I shoot. I love being out in nature as well, and hunting is a great conserva- conservation method as well. Excellent. 
<laughs> no, that's good. Sorry, I stumbled over that no, one. No, no, that's <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's always a hard question because I interview a lot of people. Everyone's got a different take on it, and that's why I love to keep that question in there so everyone can give me a different perspective because I think you know, it's always good to hear how people relate to that particular question, what it means to them means different things to a lot of different people. So, Yeah, and you're right about that. It is a tricky question, though, to answer, but that's all right. It is. Do you participate in any non-hunting-related activities, you know, just uh, target shooting? You said you went to the range, clay targets, pistols, or, uh, shotguns, rifles, anything or other than... Hunting? Yep, um, every every week, almost twice a week, we're always at the range. Um, when I say we, my husband and I, um, we competition shoot. I absolutely love it. So we target shoot. I silhouette shoot as well. Love my silhouette shoots. Um, and that's with the twenty two rifle. So we are actively involved in um, the shooting community uh, in Hobart, which is great. We yep. also go to Blue Hills, which is a centerfire range as well, and we participate in the centerfire shooting, which I absolutely love as well. Um, can't get enough of that one. Um, I have done quite a bit of clay pigeon shooting. Um, it gets costly pretty quickly, though, so as you can imagine, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to do as many as I can, but, um, yeah, the cost can sometimes be a factor. But, yeah, no, I do love clay pigeon, and I think next year we'll be getting into a whole heap more clay pigeon shooting. Mm. No, I have lots of fun. I've always got no money because I do too much clay target shooting. So Yeah, it's <laughs> a very costly day. I mean, we do it, and it's a bit of a special day when, when we do go out and have a bit of a shoot with clay pigeon, but it also costs us quite a bit of money, so we yeah. tend to sort of keep it. The twenty two rifle is great because it's not that expensive, so you can just exactly. get away with, you know, yeah, putting heaps of rounds through the gun. It doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, you said you enjoy going out in the bush. What do you enjoy about getting out in the bush? Uh... So when I get out into the bush, um, it's, it's funny, I have a lot of people saying to me, oh, well, you know, you can go for a bushwalk whenever you feel like it. And, and yeah, listen, I like bushwalking, but getting out into the bush and hunting is a totally different experience. Um, you get in touch, I think, that you spend a bit of time just being in the moment and, and really enjoying just the quiet serenity of the bush. I love stalking the animals as well. I love looking for the tracks and looking looking for signs of rubbings or holes or whatever you need to look for. And, and that's, that is quite enjoyable. It's also peaceful and it makes you forget about all the worries of the world because you're just living in the moment. Excellent. Um, a lot of, this is a very interesting one. A lot of people, some people hunt for meat. For culture, um, it's quite a rich culture, especially you know across uh, not only Australia but around the world. Um, so you, you you think it's a culture? Do you think you know you just do it for meat? There's also some you know a lot of different opinions about whether hunting's a sport. Some people get a bit upset with that statement. W- what do you think about what do you think about that? Um, I wouldn't call. I, I mean, listen. I think it's all those things. I think it can be culture. I think it can be sport, and I think it can just be just be for the meat as well. So I can think. I think all of the above, definitely. Um, but what do I hunt for? Um, I hunt for feral um, animal control and also for meat. So they're the reasons I hunt. Could you say it's a sport? I know that target shooting is definitely a sport. I wouldn't call hunting a sport. I would say it's definitely it's a, it's a way of life mm. for me. Exactly. All right, we're going to, have to talk about some uh, recipes now. Since you, you said your dad was a chef, and you know, let's say rabbit. What's Shauna's go-to on the rabbits? You, you know, you've brought a rabbit home. What? Give me, give us a recipe. The, the the listeners love hearing about recipes and what you do with your rabbits when you get home. Best way to prepare them. How, what, what do you normally do? Listen, there is so many ways you can prepare rabbit. It's 
unbelievable. In fact, I've got a huge amount of recipes for rabbit because my husband and I go out every weekend and we pretty much get ourselves about five rabbits each time. So it's great. Yeah. Anything from rabbit kebabs. I love rabbit kebabs. They're great to take to barbecues and you just take the best <laughs> meats off the rabbit, chop it all up and dice it. And um, then you can just put your spices in that you'd like. I usually use a bit of paprika, a little bit of uh, sesame oil, salt, pepper, little squeeze of lemon in there and just put them onto the skewers and they're mm. perfect for a barbecue. Chuck them on the barbie and just treat it like chicken. It's just beautiful. Really good. Uh, lots of, uh, I made lots of terrines as well. Um, so I've got uh, friends of mine who pickle walnuts and they've given me a couple of those and I made a beautiful rabbit and pickled walnut terrine. Uh, braised honey, mustard rabbits. Um, you know, you've got your rabbit stews, you've got your rabbit confit as well, which is just beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of rabbit recipes. But I am actually starting a blog just on recipes because yeah. we go to a lot of properties um, and we, uh, my husband and I go to a lot of properties. And when we go, a lot of people ask us, oh, so what do you do with the rabbits? And um, I say, well, we eat them. So, so um they usually are pretty curious about it and they want to know what sort of recipes because a lot of people don't know how to prepare or cook rabbit and it just seems a little bit foreign to them. So I usually just throw them a couple of recipes and they give it a go, which is great. What about deer? Any on the, any any tips or tricks you can give you know, budding deer hunters that want to you know, cook up some deer? What do you normally do? Oh, listen, deer is just such a versatile meat as well. It's just great, as you probably know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can mince, mince it up or you can just you know cut it up and make it a roast. Um, I, I actually really, I made just the other week, I made some um, slow cooked pulled venison. I made it into some burgers and that was just really delicious. That wow. was great. What was that, so a slow cooker or what was that in? Yeah, slow cooked. Mm. And then you just take it out and pull it apart just like you would almost like with pulled pork. And then I made a yeah. pulled venison burger. It was beautiful. Did it dry out? Didn't dry out or anything? No, no, no it didn't dry out too much. It was no. just lovely. Let it mm. sit there in its juice for a little bit. It's beautiful. Mmm. Really Sounds good. And also, we've got some friends coming over this weekend. Big roast venison leg I'll be doing up. So just a good old roast as well. Great meat. Yep. And what about, as you said before, um, wallabies, no? Wallabies, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. We, yep. So I like to go out and get quite a few wallaby. Um, a lot of farmers want them culled. Wallaby are in plague proportions in Tasmania. There's quite a few of them. And, um, of course, they, they tend to get into the crops quite a bit and destroy people's crops. And so I go out to a lot of properties shoot wallaby and harvest um, a lot of meat. The meat is absolutely lovely. It's not as strong as kangaroo, so kangaroo is quite a strong meat. Wallaby is much more subtle in flavour. Again, it's a very lean meat, so very high in protein, very good for you. Um, but, yeah, lovely meat. Again, so versatile, you can mince it, you can roast it, or you can just lightly pan fry it. You don't want it, like venison, you don't want to overcook it. If you overcook it, it does become a bit dry. You want to keep it nice and, nice and medium rare. Mm. Sounds tasty. I think that's where a lot of people let themselves down. I think when they don't know how to prepare it, they get a bit daunting on, you know, not knowing how to prepare it. I was like that. I think I, you know, murdered a few rabbits, you know, uh, uh, trying to cook them a certain way when I first started cooking. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And but you know, eventually, once you learn how to cook it, I think you can really do some good things with these game meats. And with meat not getting any cheaper and and, and being healthy, what's it's fantastic, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. And listen, game media is a bit difficult to cook and I've had a couple of, you know, uh, like you, I've actually made a couple of mistakes as well and I think you have to treat it just because there isn't that fat content that is in other meats. Mm. Yeah, you need to just be a little bit more gentle with the meat. I think starting off with just the slow cookers is the way to go, but um, yeah, definitely don't be scared with the rabbit. Get in there and try those rabbit kebabs. I think you'll yeah. like them. <laughs> hey, do, do you tell them it's chicken when you go to the party? Or <laughs> Yeah, listen, yeah, we, we have gone to a couple of parties where I've brought them along and um, you get some funny looks they're like oh a rabbit okay and they've given it a go and they absolutely love it and mm. most of the time i never hear anyone saying oh it tastes a bit gamey or i can taste a bit of that but um not it's always always a winner absolutely um you know when someone has found out you're a hunter and, and a shooter i mean how would you how do you explain it to them why you you know why you hunt shoot and fish and why you love this lifestyle you know, and it has become a lifestyle for me, um, hunting. I'm pretty much out every single weekend, and um, I know that quite a few of my friends are like, oh, I know what you're going to be doing this weekend. So it has definitely become a, life, a lifestyle. I love it. I can't, <laughs> yeah. can't get enough of it. And quite a few of my friends also ask me why I enjoy it so much. Um, there's, it's, there's lots of reasons I enjoy it. I just love being outside. So being able to just be out and being a part of nature. But I'd also have to say it's especially going out and shooting um it's all about the reward i suppose that you get out of it at the end of it the truth is though hunting as well is not for everyone i i think i have actually um taken some people out before and they found it a little bit confronting especially when it comes to the gutting of the animal and that can be quite confronting so i mean it's not for everyone but at the same time for me i get really excited about getting out i get you know when i have see the animal and i take the shot and it's a really good shot as well. I feel really excited, and um, but at the same time, a little bit sad that you've taken the life of the animal. But um, knowing that all of my hard work at going to the range and and shooting at the range has actually paid off. So yep. it's there's lots of reasons I love hunting, and and that's definitely one of them. Yep. How, what have people's reactions been when you know, you know when you tell them? Have they you know, have you have you converted anyone to, to hunting and shooting yet or? Well, it's a funny one. My sister had a real problem with it. Me and my sister are very, very close. And when she found out I'd taken up hunting, I think she was a little horrified. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she was really confused as well because, mm. you know, for her, if you kill animals, there must be something wrong, you know, and, and that's her attitude. I mean, that's that's mostly what's been fed to a lot of people that, you know, you're a bad person if you kill animals. And so I had to sit her down and talk to her about it and work through it with her. And she really did struggle to start off with. So much so she decided to become a vegetarian herself. And I think that lasted the whole of two weeks. And she got (laughs) sick of that. (laughs) Wow, yeah. (laughs) Because she loves her meat as well. And I mean, she has chickens in her backyard and she loves her chickens. And she said to me, you know, I, I find it really difficult that here I have pet chickens and yet I go to the supermarket and I buy chicken all the time. And, I, and she really struggled with that. And then after a while, she came to the conclusion that, yeah, you know, going out and taking responsibility for the animals that you decide to eat is actually much more ethical than just going to the supermarket and not even thinking about it at all. Yeah. So for her, it was a bit of a shock that she has actually come around. And now, funny enough, she actually asks for the venison when we do go out and really? get the venison. So I think in one way, she doesn't want to know the details of it. She doesn't like, you know... She she barely she's only just come around to the fact that she can actually touch raw meat. So yeah, for her. Yeah. 
No, I was going to say, it's always interesting, isn't it, when people like, you know, say, like I think I said this earlier, Ron, where they, you know, they have a problem with people hunting, yet they sort of eat mean themselves. And I, I always, I struggled with that personally because I'm thinking, well, you know, someone has to kill that animal. Are they just devoid of that part that happens before it gets onto their plate, before they cook it, when they pick it up from their local Woolworths or Coles? And, you know, I always struggle with that because that used to upset me quite a lot at the start. I'm thinking, well, you eat meat. Why are you having a go at me? Uh, because I choose to go out and get some my own food when I can, but you eat meat, but you don't understand hunting. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people just don't want to open their eyes to the the fact that that you know it was an animal once upon a time, and it's actually too confronting for them as well. And and that was the case with my sister. It was just far too confronting for her. In fact, it was so confronting that she had a chicken one day and it broke its leg. Mm. <laughs> and she took it to the vet to put it down rather than having to, to take that responsibility into our own hands of having to to um, dispatch the, the chicken. So yeah. for some people, it's all a little bit too overwhelming. And that's fine. I mean, I don't hold that against her at all. But um, I think it, it, it actually takes a bit of courage and it takes... It, to be able to go out and, and dispatch an animal. No, it does. I, I agree. I think when I first started doing rabbits, I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. And then when you sort of, you know, move up into, you know, the, the bigger animals, it can get kind of daunting, especially with the gut system, etc. Um, Absolutely. You know, you know, and, and listen, it, when I took my first stag, I actually had a bit of a tear over it, you know, because it was such a maj- majestic, beautiful animal. And sort of, you know, I put my hand on it and said, thanks very much, mate, you know. And, and you know, it was a great shot and I was happy happy with the, the kill but at the same time there was a, a deep sadness there as well so mm. that you have taken you know taken such a beautiful creature's life but at the end of the day I, I utilized all of it so it didn't go to waste at all we're just going to go to a quick break here on ahp digital and we will be right back don't go anywhere for too long shooters rights have been ignored by politicians Liberal Democrat Senator David Lionhelm has been shooting pistols, rifles and shotguns for over four decades. He knows what shooters want. He challenged the Adler shotgun ban and forced the government to retreat. Shooters' rights are a core issue for the Liberal Democrats and we won't back down. Visit ldp.org.au and vote one the Liberal Democrats. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. 
Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit sydney.net. Is there a difference? I do hear that a lot. I wanted to find out your opinion. This is not a question I wrote down previously, but a lot of people do, I think, have distinguished a difference between, say, a small rabbit and then that word majestic because we can talk about, it's not of not the scope of this show, but when we start getting into our African species about people saying you know, lions or elephants are majestic animals. Now, I find people the small, no, people don't have a problem killing a cockroach or shooting a rabbit. That's just sort of, people can accept that. But once you start talking deer, uh, African species, people really connect to this, maj- or a giraffe, heaven forbid. People, uh, do you think there's a difference between a smaller animal and a larger animal? And why is a larger animal majestic compared to that poor, yeah, the poor little rabbit that you know, might have given his life for the table the night before? Jason, that is a really, really interesting observation, I think. And, and you've got something to say about that because yeah, quite a, quite a few people uh, have that opinion. And, and it, is, it is harder, I think, to kill a larger animal. Um, and when it comes to the majestic African lions and, mm. you know, uh, in some way... I know this is going to sound silly, but I think Disney's got a little bit of a, an, a role to play in that, where these yep. characters are on television all the time and they've given them human characteristics. And so for a lot of people, I think it's really confronting that someone would want to shoot a, a lion or a giraffe or an mm. elephant because they're sort of those flagship animals. Um, as for the other animals, they probably don't care about them too much. And it's funny that people in Australia, this is what I think is quite funny, and people in Australia put a lot of concentration and anger towards African safari hunting and mm. um, endangered species in Africa, but probably wouldn't even know um, of some of the endangered species in Australia. Mm. So, um, so when it comes to the shooting of larger and more majestic animals, um, yeah, I don't know what the psychology is behind that, but it is an interesting one. It is, and then, you know, sometimes I ask people that like, they get so up, uptight about it, and I say, well, yeah, l- let me know what you've done for African conservation. How many dollars have, have, have you donated? And then inevitably the answer is always zero. Um, it's more just emotion, and, you know, again, it's not some people's cup of tea. You know, it's, it's other people's, and I guess it just depends on the individual person about, you know, how they feel about it. I, I would just hate to see it wiped out completely, and then, you know, poachers come in and, and, and take out some of these animals, or, or you know, sometimes maybe the a lot of them who knows um if it's if it's unregulated i mean you know some of these countries unfortunately a little bit corrupt they don't have you know the the systems in place that we do here to you know protect our animals and you know i I doubt they would you know the money the the groups are bringing in is the government going to you know replace that those you know hundreds of millions if not billions into the economy to protect the wildlife i don't think they would but that's no absolutely and listen it's funny because i think being a shooter and being a hunter as well everyone gets grouped together and so suddenly you know we're all in the same boat together so i've done a lot of research when it comes to what's happening over in africa because as you can imagine we go out to dinner parties with um friends and the first thing they want to bring up is something controversial like hunting in africa and trophy hunting and of course (laughs) i want to be you know i want to be i want to have the ammunition to be able to turn around to them and say well you know there is the emotive side to it which is you know it's really sad that someone kills a lion but then there's the rational side to it and it shows that you know it's all hunting conservation that's actually good for these um countries and they actually need the money so so yeah i do quite a bit of research to make sure that when i do speak to people that i've actually got the facts and the Mm. figures so they can actually have that point of view most of the time though it's all emotive they're always 
it just is. people, you know, having an emotional response to, to sort of, you know, Cecil the lion. So yeah. All right. Let's talk about. I want to talk about uh, when you got your firearms license. Obviously, the process. Uh, what's your thoughts on firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? Uh, yeah, listen, I think it's great that it's on the increase. I think it's great to see more and more hunters, um, especially female hunters, getting into it as well. So yep. uh, a lot more people t- taking it up, which is great. Um, I don't have a problem with the licensing process. I think it's great. Um, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to have a, a suppressor, though. I think that'd be pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, especially when you're going out rabbit shooting and, you know, you shoot one and they all sort of scatter away because it's a little bit loud. So yep. having that would be great. But um, all in all, um, I think it's I think it's wonderful in Australia. All right. Um, what's if there was any changes? I mean, you've been through the current system right now, and what you know it takes to get a license. I agree with licensing. I think that's you know a, a good thing. I think most people would agree with that. Having a license to own a firearm, I think training is important and good. Uh, making people sure people are you know proficient in actually owning a firearm working a firearm making sure they're safe with a firearm what changes would you make to the current system if any um listen the only change i'd make to the system is heavier fines for people that interfere with the hunt um i think they're incredibly dangerous for protesters to go out on a hunt and um, interfere with other hunters so i'd say heavier fines for people interfering with any type of hunts um Uh, apart from that, though, um, yeah. Listen, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to have a suppressor. I think that'd be great. You know, it's, it makes such a big difference. I think with shooting, and I think it's ridiculous that you can't have it. I think the biggest problem we have in Australia, though, is we are constantly having a knee-jerk reaction to situations, and they're not looking at the facts and figures. They're just responding to an isolated event, especially events happening in America, which I think have no. Um, uh, that people continuously want to bring up into Australian politics all the time, which I'm not sure, you know, why that happens. Um, but apart from that, listen, I'm pretty happy with anything. I'd hate for anything to get a little bit harder, though, and it just sometimes gets a bit ridiculous. In Tasmania, we had a, a, a couple of people who had their guns stolen out of their safe. It was a, a, a quite a few guns stolen. And, of course, the first thing the government said was, of course, it needs to be tighter restrictions on gun um, um, storage and so not only do you have to have the safe but they're also looking at perhaps actually having some sort of security system and I just think it's just getting ridiculous and just getting to the point where they're um, penalising the, the law-abiding owners of guns. I agree. Uh, the next one is, um, we talked about changes now but we're talking about uh, voting, and you can let us know if you don't. If you don't want to, that's fine too. But do you vote for a, a pro-gun political party when it comes election time? I know there's not much of a, a big choice. I know the Greens are fairly big down there, uh, but I know there's uh, the Shoes and Fishers party will be coming there soon. Would you vote for a pro-gun party if they if they come to Tasmania? Or you? No, no. Listen, um, I'm a swinging voter, so yeah, and um, I also vote on bigger issues as well. So not just um, gun ownership or hunting. Yep. Although they are definitely contributing factors towards my voting so yeah okay um what's the next one here what can hunters shooters and fishers do do you think to protect their sport in australia for the future yeah listen that was a really good question actually um because it has to be protected um and i think there's quite a few people out there who are trying to shut down um any sort of hunting in state forests or hunting in general and also gun ownership so I think the best thing, in my opinion, for hunters 
is to be tolerant of other people and their opinions and try not to become the the, the crazy loonies with a gun um, that the media loves to stereotype us with. So I think the best thing to do is um, just educate people um, and be very, very tolerant of their views. And sometimes they're going to be very emotional about their views and it can come across as being quite aggressive. And I think the best thing to do in that regard is just to calm them down and just be very, very clear and, and calm and relaxed when talking about it. Mm. Fantastic. We've got a segment here, five questions in under a minute, Shauna. I'm sure you, you're very keen to take the challenge, correct? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Let me just open up my uh, list right here. All right. In three, two, one. In five words or less, describe what a, a female that hunts means to you. Uh, strong, independent, um, capable, and doesn't mind getting their hands dirty. Favorite aspect of hunting? What is it and why? Um, I would have to say... Um, Shooting and uh, the people involved um, uh, and, and the community, the shooting community. Yeah, favourite species to hunt of all time. What is it and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Fox and hare for those two. Okay. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, um, definitely Alaska um, and just because it's such a beautiful, remote and rugged place. Okay. Favourite piece of hunting equipment you own of all time. What is it and why? Oh, the ferrets. <laughs> I love the ferrets because they've got those nice little characters and uh, they're great little hunters as well. All right, 58-26. We've got another successful uh, five questions in under a minute. Oof. I remember <laughs> when we f- I really badly stumbled on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we first started, I couldn't... I was thinking I might have to get five questions in under five minutes. I've said that before, but, you know, people have really been nailing them the last six months. That's good. That's great. <laughs> um, if you could... Uh, just one last piece of advice that you could give. We're going to have to get him to story next because yeah, uh, yeah, sure. my guests love always hearing a story to finish off. But one last piece of advice that you'd like to give, you know, other hunters and shooters, all people that aren't in the shooting community, what would it be, do you think? I just think be tolerant of other people's opinions. It's very hard sometimes. Um, and try to educate as many people as you can all the time as well, just by being very considerate of their points of view, but also pulling out a lot of facts and figures just to let them know. Um, and, and I think a great example of that uh, was a TV show that um, came up on SBS, which was um, Living with the Enemy, and it was The Hunter and the Vegan together. Oh, yes. and they Steve, Steve Lee, yep, yep, yep. And listen, I thought that was absolutely brilliant because it really did show that, um, that the hunter was very considerate. He made sure that he, you know, was very um, controlled in what he said, and it was great. He was... Um, a really good spokesperson, I thought, for the sport and um, for the hunting community. And I think that's probably the best thing we can do is just continue to, to be respectful of other people's um, points of view, but at the same time educate them. Mm. I found it very interesting that too. I noticed as you were talking about fines for, for protesters, I know that happens a fair bit, um, which you probably saw during that show on the on the duck hunting fields, you know, in Victoria. And, you know, often people are saying they're down there going, oh, oh, they're harassing us. And I'm like, well, hang on. I came here to go hunting. I didn't travel here to annoy hunters and to get into hunters' way to try and cause some type of, you know, issue or confrontation with hunting. I'm coming here to hunt. I'm not coming here to... I didn't travel, you know, four hours from Melbourne to, you know, harass, you know, people that are there to that are against duck hunting. So I always find that kind of interesting. I think Steve did a good job and said, well, hang on, 
You know, they go, oh, the hunter was inciting, you know, the protesters. It's like, well, you know, they're, they're here to hunt. They're not really here to, you know, annoy you guys. You guys are here to pretty much, you know, to, to get in the way and whether they agree with it or not, you know, it's, it's just always an interesting thing. Absolutely. And listen, they do they do actually participate in a lot of um, dangerous activity as well where they can get themselves hurt. So, True. you know, and, and I mean, it's not, no one wants to be harassed while they're trying to hunt you know that's that's the worst thing that you can possibly even think of so uh, really they're they're they they've done their course they've trained to actually go out and shoot the ducks so uh, ultimately they're not breaking any laws and they should have the right to be there and not be harassed exactly Sean, to finish off i want to hear a story one of your best i've got to you got to sell it to me i want to hear the time of year the time of day who you were with what you were hunting just i want to hear a good story from you one of your best hunts maybe that might be a good one yeah, listen, I've had quite a few, so I, I actually thought about this one as well. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I, I'm going to give you two stories, just two short ones. Sure. Um, one of my favourite ones, though, is we. my brother is marrying a Taiwanese girl, and she's been over in Australia for about a year, year and a half now, and she came down to Tasmania, and we decided to take her out hunting, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, but she was open enough to come and do some hunting with us. Yep. So we took the ferrets out, and we went out into our local bush area and found a couple of holes. And, of course, she sort of was perched over one of the nets and was keeping an eye on that that rabbit that was just about to come out. And sure enough, uh, the rabbit bolted out and she grabbed the rabbit in the net. And just as she grabbed the rabbit, another rabbit jumped out and bounced off her head. And <laughs> Did it scare <laughs> and the hell out of her? Bushes. Yeah, well, listen, it scared the hell out of her, but she held on to the rabbit in the net. And I turned to my brother and I said, you know what, John? She is a keeper. She's a good one. <laughs> so she did manage to get, get that rabbit. And she took photos of the rabbit and put it on Facebook, and she had mixed response from all her Taiwanese friends. I think a lot of them were quite interested, and, and yeah, it was, it was a good, good, good day out. So I really enjoyed that one. Very and good. another story, Go on, I yep. have to say, is yep. not actually my story, but it was just a really <laughs> lovely story that, um, and it is actually to do with duck hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a guy at the gun club, and I haven't been duck hunting before. And oh, I so love I asked it. Him, Fantastic. Oh, listen, I really want to get into it. It'd be great. <laughs> but I did ask him quite a few questions about it because, you know, he goes out all the time. And I said to him, oh, did you have problems with the protesters? I mean, obviously, there's quite a few protesters in Tasmania that like to go out and harass duck hunters. And he said to me that, yes, he has been out and there has been protesters before. But he told me a lovely story about that. And he said one day when they were all out there and it was freezing cold first thing in the morning and one of the young protesters was a young girl and she was wearing just basically nothing, not really prepared for the weather and the climate out um, out in the, the lakes or the, the, the dam. And so he came up to her and he actually gave her his jacket and and gave her a warm cup of, of tea and just said, you know, there you go. And she looked at him and said, well, I thought all you guys were just, you know, assholes. I thought you all you guys were pretty <laughs> nasty, you know, just murderers. And, and here you are giving me a cup of tea and, and a jacket. And that, that story really stayed with me. I thought that was a really lovely way of, instead of getting aggressive and abusive towards the protesters who really shouldn't be there, um, instead just taking the time to actually be considerate of, of other people. Excellent, excellent. I do, yeah, I mean, good story. I think we need more people like you, Sean, the ones that can say they've come from the, the, the other side and explain to you know other people what it's like. Because you know, a lot of people have got many misconceptions. I know it happens to me. People can't get past the emotion. One of my best friends, you know, uh, 
uh, are wives. I mean, I get on with her really well, but she, she told me if I ever go African hunting, which I've got no real interest in, but if I, you know, it's one that's too expensive for me anyway. But she says, if you ever go African hunting, she goes, you can't come in the in the house anymore. So Ooh, it's, it's, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. She goes, it's good that, you know, like, you know, you, you've seen both sides and it's good to hear from someone. This is the first time I've had someone um, that's, you know, come from this side to this side. It can give a, a good, honest account of, of, you know, the differences and what happens, I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, all it is is education. I just think it's a lot of people not, not knowing. Oh, uh, they, they just don't have a clue about the hunting and they make huge assumptions about it. And, of course, all they get is screen grabs and images from the internet and they think that that's actually the way it is when really it's so far from the truth. Hunting is so much different from just the little screen grabs and the media hype that um, that goes on. So, yeah, being a part of it and being immersed in the culture is, is completely different. And, you know, it is hard for people sitting on the outside to understand that until they actually get out there and give it a go. Absolutely. Shauna joins us here for the Everyday Hunter series on the Australian Hunting Podcast. Shauna, thanks for your time. I had a great time having a chat to you today. Thank you, Jason. It was great. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.